Welcome to Harris Health Heartbeat, a Leading with Love focused podcast featuring leaders from all levels of our organization. Leading with Love is a Harris Health leadership development program designed to cultivate leadership among Harris Health employees and support the system's transformation to a high reliability organization. Each podcast in our 12 episode season highlights one area of the One Harris Health competency framework, complementing the month's Leading with Love coursework focus. In every conversation, we're diving into vulnerability, standing in empathy, and demonstrating how we can lead with love in our daily activities. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of our Harris Health Heartbeat Podcast. My name is Kim Nugent, and I am the Manager of Organizational Development and Learning and Talent Management, which is a part of Human Resources. Today, I'm so happy to be joined by Maria Coles, our Senior Vice President of Chief of Staff and Chief Transformation Officer, and our competency today is Drive Vision and Strategy. So welcome to Heartbeat, Maria. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here too. Would you take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure. As Kim mentioned, my name is Maria Coles and I am the Chief of Staff and Chief Transformation Officer here at Harris Health. Great. So thank you again. We're so excited to learn about you and from you today. And so with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Sounds good. All right. So our staff members have a great deal of interest in growing their careers at Harris Health. And I know you've been very successful doing that yourself. So what advice do you have for our listeners? So I think in the eight years that I've been at Harris Health, I've had six different roles. And I would say that that's really a result of three things, flexibility, a willingness to learn, and hard work. And so when I joined the organization, actually my entire career I had spent in hospital operations, but my first role here was actually as the director of medical home. And when I took that role, you could probably fit what I knew about medical home on the head of a pin, but I was willing to learn it. And I was really fortunate that there were some great people in the system who were also willing to help me do that. And so um, that was a really great role because I got to learn a lot about our different clinics and meet a lot of people in the organization. And while I was in that role, actually, they needed an interim manager at Strawberry Health Center. And so that was just an example of me being willing to say, yes, I can do that. How can I help the organization with its needs? And I think over time, I've just continued to do that. From there, I went on to Ben Taub, and I took a finance position, which was not something I had done before. I knew a good amount about operational finance from having been in hospital operations but was willing to learn it again and had some great people helping me along the way. And there, I really took the opportunity to identify where there were other needs and say, can I help with this? When I moved to our system, into a system role, then I was able to take those experiences that I had in ambulatory care and at Ben Taub, and I've tried to really use those experiences to inform the work that I do at the system level. I think CMS was another great example of just jumping in and pitching in where needed. I certainly was not an accreditation expert, but was willing to learn that from our external consultants and our own internal experts so I could learn what I needed to to facilitate the work. So really what I would tell people, I think, is don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone and try something new. And I think 
that if your experience is like mine, you'll find that there are a lot of really generous people in our system who will help you learn what you need to know to do the work. So that's really great advice, Maria. I think, you know, flexibility and your willingness to learn and certainly hard work is great advice for our listeners, for sure. Uh, It's a really great place to start. And obviously, you've been quite successful. And I think that the last example that you gave is really important is, you know, being able to say, how can I help and just jumping right in. And I think that that is a piece that you're right, there are a lot of generous people at Harris Health who want to help, but they also want to work with people who say, what can I do to help? So I appreciate that answer. The first time you and I talked, I was really struck by something that you said. You said you love being a part of Harris Health family. So tell me specifically, what does that mean to you? For me, Harris Health is all about the people. So as I mentioned, I think I've just been really fortunate to get to work with employees and physicians from across our system. And really nothing makes me happier than when I get back into the hospitals or into the clinics. I can just feel my smile the minute I walk in the door because I know know I'm going to run into people that I haven't seen in a while. I really enjoy hearing about what they're doing, what improvements they've made since I've been there last. I also really like hearing about the challenges they have and determining is there a way that I can help or can I facilitate finding the right person in our system to help people. So I just, I really appreciate getting to where the patients are and feeling that energy and the buzz from the teams who are caring for the patients. I think that is really where I feel the most connected to our mission and just really proud of the work that we do. Absolutely. I think getting out is really important. And I think, you know, once you get to meet employees across Harris Health, they take so much pride in what they do. You literally can feel it when you hit the front door, right? So I I appreciate that as well. Let's go to a, a personal note. And so I know you were such a support to your neighborhood community during Hurricane Harvey. Can you tell me about that experience? You know, it's hard to imagine this summer it will be five years since Hurricane Harvey happened. And that was a really impactful time for me. So I live in Bel Air. Bel Air was one of, you know, many areas in Houston that were hit hard during Harvey. And I live on a cul-de-sac. And in my cul-de-sac are mostly the original bungalow homes that were built, except for my house, which is the only newer two-story home and in 2017 I had a seven-year-old five-year-old twins a small dog (laughs) and to say that my house was chaotic on a regular basis is probably being generous Um, but I remember that morning waking up not having slept well just kind of worried about the storm and mostly with zero perspective on what was to come thinking through these tactical things of What if we lose power? What if we don't have air conditioning? How am I going to entertain my children if either of those things happen? Um, And so going about my day, and then early in the morning, a knock on the door, and it's my neighbor from across the street. And he came over and said, our house is starting to take on water. And so we immediately just said, well, of course, you and your husband should come over and stay with us. And he said, okay, great, thank you. We're going to do that, but I'm going to go and check on all the other neighbors. I said, okay, great. And so this this great couple starts going door to door, knocking on doors, checking on people, and, and bringing them back to my house. So then we end up with the neighbors across the way, a couple with two teenage children, 
who we knew very well as well, neighbors, two houses down, who were an older couple who we knew enough, we knew them by name, but didn't really know them very well. And then a family who had literally just moved onto our street. We had never met them. They had a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and a dog. And so one by one, he starts bringing these families to our home and just saying, we're all going to stay with the Coles. And so at that time, I think we had 17 people in our house, three or four dogs. And, you know, our house is not that big, so it was it was crowded. But it just, what I really remember about it is how good-spirited people were in coming together. So everyone brought food from their homes. I mean, picture, some of these people have never even met us. They're moving into our house. They're worried about their own homes. They're worried about their families who aren't on our street but are probably having a similar experience. And it was just a really, it ended up being such a positive experience. it turned out that the neighbor, the brand new neighbor, was a pastor at a local church. And so when the, when the storm was over, his whole congregation just descended on our neighborhood. And they were helping tear out drywall and take out all the ruined furniture and providing meals to people. And it was just such a good reminder to me of what it means to be a community and what it means to be a good neighbor. I, and, you know, it was such a hard time, but I'm, I'm just, I'm so thankful for that experience and and for the the great people that I have living on my street. It's been um, almost five years, and one of those families has just now moved into their home. That's how how long it took to rebuild. And for about nine months, we did not have a single neighbor on our street because they were all rebuilding, remodeling, fixing their homes. So I'm sure it's a memory you'll never forget, nor will they. But, you know, I know that, and you know this in your role now, you know, crises can bring people together in ways that nothing else can, right, when everybody does exactly what you said. So that's amazing. Absolutely. So tell me about a time when you failed. What did you learn? So this is a really great question. I have plenty of examples I could share, but I'm actually going to go back to one really early in my career. I was about a year out of graduate school. I was working for a large hospital system in Houston, and the system CEO had asked me to do a fairly complicated analysis of call pay across the system. And so I went about that the best way I knew how, put everything together, and the expectation was that I would give a presentation on this to the senior leadership team. So when it came time to do the presentation, I actually was going to be out of the office. And so I asked someone else to give this presentation for me. When I got back into the office and asked her how it went, it had apparently been just a disaster. Everyone was arguing about the data. They were asking her questions she couldn't answer. It did not answer the question that they were trying to figure out. And so I was very just deflated by how this had gone and what I saw as a really lost opportunity to make a good impression in front of this senior leadership team. And I I learned a, a number of things from that experience that have really stuck with me over the course of my career. And And the first and probably most obvious is that attention to detail is really important. I should have validated that that information I was collecting was correct, and I should have sent it out to people in advance of the meeting so that they had an opportunity to comment on it, but I did not. And the second thing is that I had to really learn to take accountability for my own work. I could have asked to postpone that presentation when I wasn't going to be there, or 
I don't remember what I was doing at the time, but it probably was something that could have been adjusted so I could be at this presentation if it was really that important to me, but I I didn't do that. The third thing that I learned, and this is one of the more important, is that you really do need to trust your gut. I knew when I was getting that information that some pieces of it didn't sound right, but I thought I was too junior to really question it or ask other people to clarify. And so I just took what was given to me at face value. And, and I, I knew it wasn't quite right, but I didn't pursue it. And then the last thing, and I think this is the most important, is that you really do have to forgive yourself when you make a mistake. 20 plus years later, there are still parts of that that are really vivid in my mind. And it's because I spent so much time afterwards just berating myself and thinking about all the things I could have done differently and just generally being upset with myself about how it went. And even now, I think I have to really remember that everyone makes mistakes and it is important to analyze them and figure out what went wrong, but it is probably more important to just learn to say to yourself, it's okay, and not internalize it to the point where it literally can make you sick to your stomach. So, you know, I'll close that story. I read something not too long ago, and it really stuck with me related to that. And it said, servant leaders are comfortable being wrong, but that doesn't mean that they ever stop trying to get it right. And I think that that's just the attitude that I really want to have when I think about making mistakes. I love that quote. Great way to be able to kind of end that story. But you're right. I mean, we're human beings. We make mistakes. And, you know, when those mistakes happen, you know, it changes your perspective for the present and for the future. So great advice to our listeners today. I hope they remember that as well. So what do you think is a misconception about the word transformation at Harris Health? There are two misconceptions that immediately come to mind. The first is that transformation has to be this huge event. Because I I really think that transformation is achieved through a lot of smaller events or these more minor disruptions. And together, those things can create the transformation. And the second misconception that I think... I hear or feel a lot is that transformation is all process related because I think it's really even more so culture related and even I think this Harris Health Heartbeat podcast is a great example of transformation. We have leaders who are talking about being vulnerable and making mistakes and you know being inclusive and I think that's hugely transformative and I'm really proud of our organization for for doing that great well we're excited we've had some amazing uh people as our guests certainly and you're right i mean we're all human beings and they have been sharing you know definitely stories about their experiences and their vulnerability and and i think that's really important but i agree with you i think that sometimes people are really confused by the word transformation that they do think it's a really big thing but it's small steps every day on the journey to a cultural transformation quite frankly so i appreciate that so what does it take to be successful in driving vision and strategy at harris health that's a great question kim i think some of the characteristics that are common to people who are successful in driving vision and strategy at harris health are persistence and related to that i think is an agility or a willingness to make adjustments because we really we don't really ever get things right on the first try. And so we have to be willing to do those course corrections and not see that as 
a failure or something we didn't didn't get right the first time. And I also think a willingness to listen and get that feedback from people is really important. And then the desire to want to communicate with people. I think that we're getting a lot better at Harris Health about trying to talk about the why. When we're looking at elements of our strategy and I think we're more focused than ever on trying to get our teams to connect the strategy to the mission that they feel in their work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. And I do think that those, um, you know, nothing is ever 100% in the beginning anyway. And you do make those course corrections. And I think it's kind of like being on a plane, right? Flying the plane. They're making constant course corrections in order to be able to get to the final mission. And and really, that's how we need to be thinking about it. But it also brings back to me what you said in the beginning. That's also a great example of how you've been successful. Because when you were talking about flexibility and a willingness to learn and hard work, all of that is all about driving vision and strategy for sure. So I appreciate that. So um, how have you been able to implement strategy at Harris Health? I'll take a step back in that question and say, before you can implement strategy, you have to develop it. And so one of the things that I've been really lucky to get to help with during my time at Harris Health was the development of our strategic plan. So last year, as I hope everybody knows, we launched our new five-year strategic plan. And I, I think it was a great effort to include as many people as possible in the development. We surveyed all of our employees and medical staff. We had really extensive interviews with our academic partners, with our community stakeholders, and we were able to really take all of that information and use people's thoughts on our future direction to drive this plan. So that, you know, the development of that roadmap, I think, is is something that I'm really proud of. So now, as we consider new strategic initiatives, we're always focused on how do these relate to one of the five pillars that we have? Is it related to quality and patient safety or people or One Harris Health or population health or infrastructure? And that really helps us tie it all together. So I think that's the first thing I would say. And then just as an example of work that I'm proud of in terms of implementing strategy, last year I was part of a group that was focused on how we could improve our patient identification process. And so we were able to launch a a system-wide campaign that I'm really proud of. But the piece that I may be more proud of is it was a great example of a time when we came out of the gate saying, we know we're not getting this right on the first time. And in fact, we're going to designate a period of time where people can provide us with feedback. And we promise we're going to take that feedback and we're going to make adjustments and we're going to have a process that really works for people so that we can achieve the goal that we want, which is to make sure patients are identified correctly every time so we can minimize errors and get to that high reliability organization that we want to be. And so we were able to do that, and and we're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep adjusting that until it is just the way we want it. But that's a a strategy implementation that's recent that I'm really proud of. I am sure everyone knows about the strategic plan and the five pillars. I've been part of those conversations in different departments where they want to make sure that what they're working on is in complete alignment uh, with the strategic plan. So good work. I, no, I love hearing that because that's exactly, that's exactly what we wanted when we developed it. So that's great. Each month, our leaders come to this podcast to talk to us about how they demonstrate Harris Health's competency framework 
You can learn more about the competencies with Harris Health's Leadership Development Program, Leading with Love, designed to cultivate leadership among employees and support our transformation to a high reliability organization. These courses are held during the first week of each month. Visit hhs.sabacloud.com today and search Leading with Love to view the courses and schedule your learning. All Harris Health employees have the potential to lead in our organization. Register today. So following up on that, if you could share three tools or advice or wisdom regarding vision and strategy for our leaders, what would it be? So I thought I might share advice from three different books that I've read recently. They've really shaped my thinking. And to be clear, I don't think any of these books are really new, but they were new to me. And so I've been telling about telling people about them because I think they're really great. So the books are Atomic Habits by James Clear, Tribe of Mentors by Timothy Ferris, and The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charles McKessie. So I'll start with Atomic Habits. So this book is really all about breaking bad habits and replacing them with good habits. And the author talks about how outcomes are a lagging measure of the habits that we have and how our habits are what put us on a trajectory that will either be good or bad. And he says when people have a hard time changing their habits, it's really because their system is wrong. And the main premise of this book is that we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And I feel like that really applies at an organizational level. Because if we want to achieve our strategic goals, then we have to have the right systems in place that let us do that. And so we have to be willing to make these small changes, layered on small changes, layered on small changes, and then patient enough to wait for that lagging outcome, but we can watch the trajectory while these changes are, are being put into place. And so I think the secret then is, is sustaining the making of these small, small habits over time to get to the outcome that we want. The second book is Tribe of Mentors, and <laughs> this book is really long. I think it's 560 pages or something, but... It's made up of a lot of really short chapters, and they're independent. So you can read a little bit, put it down for a month, pick it back up, and you have missed nothing. So the author interviews, I don't know how many, leaders of different industries, and he asks them all the same 11 questions, one of which is very similar to a question you asked me earlier. The question is, what is your favorite failure, and how did it set you up for later success? So I love that question. The other two that I really enjoy reading about when people give their responses is, in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? And when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused, what do you do? And so that last question in particular really speaks to me because I think that we can all easily become overwhelmed by all the work that there is to do, all of the goals that we've set for ourselves and the priorities that we have. And reading about what other people do to deal with that feeling, I think, has been really enlightening for me. And then the last book that I'll talk about is The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And in contrast, this is an illustrated book that you can read in about 15 minutes. So if you're short on time, this is the book for you. But it, And we actually read it as a leadership team. And what I really love about this book is that it talks about how we can live our lives with more kindness for each other and for ourselves, and that the 
that asking for help when you need it is one of the most important things that you can do. So there are a couple of things that happen in this book. The four characters, they go on a short little adventure together. And one line in the book is when the mole says, most of the old moles I know wish they had listened less to their fears and more to their dreams. And so when I think about articulating our vision and our strategy, you know, my hope for the organization is really that we do listen to our dreams about what we can be as an organization and not let our fears hold us back from getting there. And then another point, the boy says, we have such a long way to go. And the horse says to him, yes, but look how far we've come. And that's really how I feel about Harris Health. We do have a long way to go on our journey to being a high reliability organization and in achieving everything we've set forth in this strategic plan. But look at how far we've come. We have done an amazing job over the last couple of years, and we should recognize and celebrate how far we have come. Absolutely. I've read the last book that you mentioned, and for me, I'm not going to say it to the readers, but when you finish the book, to me, the last page was just the most important part of that entire book. I love that. Um, We're going to leave that cliffhanger. (laughs) Make people read the book. (laughs) Exactly. I'm not going to say what that is. Um, The first book reminds me of, I'm I'm always, when you're, as you talk, I'm thinking in my own head about how that really aligns with a lot of things that we're doing in organizational development. So when you talk about the, you know, the atomic habits, I started to think about, and you said system, and I started to think about specifically um, our cultivating a just and accountable culture and, ca- and cascading that throughout the organization because we, we do want to identify where there are system flaws or you know how we can prevent errors from happening over again so we're still on that journey and then the the second book that you mentioned specifically at tribe of mentors in those 11 questions we use a lot of those questions in leadership development coaching with our clients at harris health and so it was really good affirmation for me to hear that as well that's great uh, so what impact do you want i know you care deeply about harris health because you said you love being here so but what impact do you want people to experience from working at harris health so what i love about working at harris health and what i hope other people do too is really that tangible feeling of living our mission. I just think we're we're very fortunate and very blessed to be able to help people for a living. So I think that's amazing. And the other thing is that I really do want people to feel like Harris Health is a place where they feel included. I think that the work we're doing around diversity and equity and inclusion is very impactful and we're we're really just getting started with it. So there's so much great work still to be done. I'm really energized by that. I hope other people are too. Absolutely. You know, from our stay interviews that we've been conducting over the last few years, that's really the number one reason why people stay at Harris Health is they love being in the organization, the mission, vision, and values specifically, for sure. And we are excited too in human resources about all of the new things coming out of our diversity and equity and inclusion group. So, all right, my final question, Maria, let's pretend to Today's Judgment Day, and the last question you're being asked is, did you love enough, and what is your response and why? This is such a hard question, Kim. I think my response would be, I hope so, <laughs> which is not very specific, but, you know, I, I love my family very much, obviously. That said, for working parents, and maybe, you know, particularly for me as a working mother, I think there is constantly this feeling that there is something that is not getting my full attention or enough of my attention. And there's nothing more 
you know, heart-wrenching than when, when one of my children says, you're working this weekend again, or, you know, really quietly will be like, are we going to see you for dinner? Um, but I've tried to balance periods of really intense work with other periods of being much more physically present, and I, I hope my, my family will recognize that. On the other hand, I also try and remind myself that I'm modeling for my children that work ethic is important, and that finding a job that you love and that provides you with the opportunity to do meaningful work is also a blessing. So on Judgment Day, uh, I think I'll be able to say that I loved my family, but I loved my work as well. And I hope that my family would agree with that answer. It's outstanding. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Harris Health Heartbeat. We'd like to thank Maria Coles for sharing her time and insight with us. Don't forget to check out the Leading with Love courses on Saba to learn more and how you can demonstrate the Harris Health Competency Framework. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Harris Health Heartbeat. We'd like to thank our guests for sharing their time and insight with us. Join us next month for another great conversation on our One Harris Health competencies. Don't forget to check out our courses on Saba to learn more about how you can lead with love.